Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So I don't know um, if you have ever just kind of looked and seen some of the crazy things that you can get Siri to do, or there's all these little hacks. And with each iOS update, Apple builds these hacks into, um, into Siri um, where you can ask different things. There used to be one. I tried it. You can't do that anymore. Um, but you could ask, hey, Siri, where can I hide a dead body? Um, and Siri would say something like, looking for local graveyards. <laughs> um, so, but that one does not exist anymore. But these are, some that are, these are some that are current. So there are all kinds of different things. And Siri is helpful. Um, I use Siri to remind me of things. Anybody tell Siri, like, Siri, remind me of this, Siri, remind me of that? Well, I do that, like, all the time. It's the only way I can keep my head on straight. Um, but I had a really embarrassing experience with Siri at the gym. Um, my morning routine is I go to the gym, and I drop Addison off at school, I go to the gym, I work out, I shower at the gym, and then I go to, um, I go to work. Well, um, I forget things. I don't know if you all forget things. And, and not to be weird or awkward, but the one thing I always forget is to pack an extra pair of underwear, or to pack a pair of underwear. Um, and after being burnt several times by forgetting to pack in my clothes to wear an, a, a fresh pair of underwear, um, what I started doing was I keep an extra pair in my locker at the gym. And uh, lo and behold, a couple days ago, I get to the gym, and I'm setting, out, setting, up, you know, setting my fresh clothes out you know, for after I take a shower, and I realize I forgot to pack underwear. So I grabbed what I call my emergency underwear, and I thought, you know what, I better have Siri remind me to, get a, to pack an extra pair for the next day. So I you know, say, Siri, remind me to pack an Remind me to, no, this is what I said, remind me to replenish my emergency underwear. And there was nobody else in the locker room at the gym, so I thought, you know, I'll just say it, you know. And um, usually Siri just says, okay, I'll remind you. This time, Siri goes, okay, I'll remind you to replenish your emergency underwear. And like, as she's saying that, this big buff guy walks into the locker room. As Siri is saying back to me, I'll remind you to replenish your emergency underwear. This is, these big, big, bad, tatted dudes. He, 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 he hears it and he just goes, and he, he hits me on the back and he's like, dog. <laughs> so, so yeah, Siri can embarrass you, um, but it, it's helpful. And what I love is I can ask Siri anything. I can ask Siri anything and she'll give me a, an answer. I can ask Siri who won the Super Bowl last year and she'll say, not the Steelers. Um, I, you know, I can ask Siri anything and she'll tell me Sorry, Sadie. And she'll tell me who, you know, she'll, she'll tell me the answer. Um, we're starting this series, and the series is called Seriously. Um, and I do that for two reasons. Wouldn't it, first is, wouldn't it be awesome if all, you know, we all have questions, and especially when it comes to, like, God and the Bible and church, you, we have questions. If you've been coming here for any period of time, you probably have some questions. Why we do what we do, why we believe what we believe. If you've been a Christian all your life, there's probably some questions that you have about God. And I think church should be the place to get the answers for those questions. Um, yeah, unfortunately, sometimes you know, pe- people at church are like, well, you shouldn't ask questions about God. You should just have faith. Um, but our faith isn't just a blind faith. It's a reasoned faith, and it's an informed faith. Um, so I think church is a great place for you to ask questions, and I want you to know that we take your questions seriously. Um, so over the next couple weeks, we're going to be taking a break for senior night, but um, over the next couple weeks, what I'm asking you to do is any question that you may have, a question that's kind of been, you know, you, you going through your mind about God, send it in to me. Um, the easiest way to do that is to send it through our app. 
Um, maybe some of you don't know, but we have an app. It's called Refuel. You can get it on the app store. Um, it's just called Refuel. And on this app, right here, you hit the other and question, and you can send your question in. Um, when I, and we'll answer them live on Wednesday night. Now, if you um, don't want like, us to know who the question was, you can send it in anonymously. I'm not going to put the names of the people that asked the questions on the screen. I'm just putting the questions on the screen. And we're going to work through as many of these questions as we can. Um, but tonight, the question that we're going to be answering um, is the number one, like you, you, a lot of you guys sent in questions, and thank you. We're going to try to get to all of them. But this one, I think, was like, the, I'm trying to remember how many individual people asked pretty much this same question. But it was like over 20 of you asked this same question in some shape or form. And here's the question. How can I read and understand the Bible? How can I read and study the Bible? Um, and, and I think that's a really good question because you, you, you've, if you've been coming here for any length of time, you've... You, you know that we, we open the Bible every week. Um, this isn't just a, you know, a positive thoughts place to come hang out, um, sing, and leave. But this is a place where we learn from God's Word. Um, so how do, I, how do I study the Bible? Um, some, maybe you've, you, you've tried to open your Bible before and you've read, and like what you read did not make sense. And you're like, Matt said that we need to read our Bible every day, but this, you know, this makes about as much sense as like ancient hieroglyphics. Like I, I do not understand what I'm reading. Um, how can I read and study the Bible and actually understand what I'm reading? Um, I, I would venture to say everybody in here kind of knows that we're supposed to read this book. Um, maybe you had a time where like for like three days in a row you studied the Bible and you're like, I'm balling as a Christian. You know, but now it's been like two months, you know, two weeks, maybe two years since you've studied the Bible. And, and, and you kind of run into roadblocks. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to talk about how to read the Bible in a way that you can understand it and get something from it every day. Uh, I think it's a great question. Thank you for sending it in. Um, since so many of you sent it in, since it's so important, we're going to spend all of our time tonight on this question. Next week, we're going to, we're going to tackle a lot more of your questions. Um, so how do I read and study the Bible? Kind of the bottom line of, the, of what we're going to talk about and what I hope you get from this is the Bible has an answer to every question you're asking. The Bible has an answer to every question you're asking. Um, you, know, you have a question about God, I promise you're going to find the answer here. Um, every, every question that we answer in this series, we're going to be pointing you here, because this is where you find the answers. Um, so if you have your Bible, turn to uh, 2 Timothy. We're going to be reading a passage that's about 17, uh, 17 verses long. Um, and in this passage, we learn... You, what I love about how God does this is he shows us, oh, you want to know how to study the Bible? You want to know how to read the Bible and understand the Bible? Well, here, here's how you do it. And it literally pretty much says, here's how you do it. Um, so let's read. We're going to kind of start a little bit further back so we can understand what's going on. Um, let's read this, these verses together. I'm going I'm to get out of the way so, um, so that you can read with me. And let's start in verse 1. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of good, treacherous, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with these people. They're the kind that worm their way into homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jans and Jambres oppose Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. 
They're men of depraved minds who, as far as faith is concerned, are rejected. But they will not get very far, as, as, as in the case of those men, their folly will be made clear to everyone. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, love, endurance, persecution, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, and the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you learned and have become convinced of, because you know <clears throat> those from whom you've learned it, and how, far, how from infancy you've known the holy scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Um, so what, you, what we kind of see here in this passage that we read is that it's not going to always be easy to follow Jesus, but if we tie ourselves to God's word, it's going to be not only doable, but it's going to be worth it. Um, what I want to do is this verse that's in yellow here, I want to kind of zoom into it, because this is the verse that's going to answer the question that we're asking, which is, how do I read and understand the Bible? So Jeff, if you will zoom into this verse here, we're going to look at chapters 3, verses 16 through 17. It says, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness, so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I've got a hand here. I tried to find one on Amazon, you know, like one of those big foam fingers, um, but I could only find ones that had like the index finger up, and I wanted one like this. I found others that had another finger up, but we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've got this open hand here, and when we're talking about studying the Bible, I want you to think about, yeah, everybody just look at, look, look at the palm of your hand. I want you to think about um, studying the Bible um, like a hand. There are, just like you have five fingers, there are five things you need, to, you need to know to get a grip on the Bible. We're going to talk about what it means to get a grip on the Bible and understand the Bible. And the first thing we, we need to think about is the thumb. Everybody, pretend like you're hitchhiking. I've, I talked to a hitchhiker today, actually. I bought him a Coke. Um, but you know what, what makes humans so different than every other, every other species is that we have these things called opposable thumbs, Opposable thumbs. Without your thumb, you will have a hard time getting a grip on things. The thumb is what helps you grip. Um, that's why if you didn't have a thumb, it'd be really hard to hold on to things. You could hold things like this, but it would slip out of your hands. Um, what does the thumb mean? Well, look at, when, when you're thinking about reading the Bible, how do I understand the Bible? The first thing you need to think about is the most important thing. What helps you get a grip, what gives you strength, it's that all Scripture is God-breathed. The words that you hold in your hand here, if you have a Bible, these words are not just somebody's opinion. I mean, you can get on Facebook and find a lot of opinions. You know, you can get on Twitter, find a lot of opinions, a lot of people arguing. This book is not an opinion. This book is the Word of God. It says all Scriptures God breathed. In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, um, it says that the, the, the men who God used to write this book, the Bible, it says that, it didn't, that this Bible didn't come from human origin, but that they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Literally, the Holy Spirit was guiding their thoughts and guiding their hands as they were writing. Um, so the Bible, you, so, so we, we learn in the Bible, it says that the, this word will never pass away, not even 
the smallest jot or tittle in the Bible. Not like what that means is, you know, like dotting I's and crossings of T's. Every word in this book that you read was inspired by God. So these are not people's words, these are God's words. Um, You'll never get a grip on the Bible if you don't get that. You'll never, you'll never have success in reading the Bible if you just think, oh, this is just, you know, um, you, some, some guy on the island of Patmos who was old and weird, and he decided to write down what he thought about Jesus. No, 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 no. This is what God has to say about himself and what he has to say about you. These, you this, this, this book is inspired, and because it's inspired, we know that it's inerrant. It's without error. You can read this Bible and know that you're not going to find a problem in it. You know, some people try to, and I think it's a shame that people do this sometimes, they they try to make it sound like the Bible and science are opposed to each other. And I would submit to you that they're not opposed to each other, um, because what I find interesting is that a lot of times it's taken science like a couple thousand years to catch up with things that are already in the Bible. Um, You know, the whole heliocentric world, well, it's in the Bible, it just took science about 3,000 years catch up, you know, good old Copernicus, you know? Um, so so we, we can believe that what is in here is true, and we also can believe that what's in here is infallible. Um, in the 1930s, Hitler launched a massive Bible-burning campaign in Nazi Germany. And thousands upon thousands, they say probably over 100,000 Bibles were burned. Um, he had his reasons for trying to get rid of the Bible. Um, but you know what? The best-selling book was in 2017, the Bible. You know what the best-selling book in the world has been since they developed the printing press in the 1600s? Every year, the Bible. For over 400 years, this book has been the most produced, most purchased book in the world. Why is it? It's because it's God's Word. And He promised that His Word would never pass away. So if, if we want to get a grip on the Bible, if you want to actually have some success in studying the Bible, what you got to get is that this, this book is inspired. This book is inspired. So let's, let's, let's keep moving on. Well, now that we know that it's inspired, there are four questions that you need to ask. If you want to study the Bible, when you want to actually learn something from the Bible, um, there are four questions um, that, that you need to ask. And the first question is, what's right? The first question is, we're right here now. The first question is, What's right? That's not right. Getting your prom picture with Barney is not right. Barney's like the creepiest thing ever, isn't it? Um, as you're looking through this, this verse here, verse 16, it says, all Scripture is inspired by God. And then it says it's profitable for or it should be used for. So how do I study the Bible? It's literally saying, do these four things. The first use for the Bible, it says, is teaching. Is teaching. Um, we learn what's right. Um, the word for teaching here is the Greek word didaskalia. And what it has to do with is it has to do with like things, not just the act of teaching, but teaching. Um, we take things and we verbalize them. Um, you all remember planking back in the day when that was a thing? And T-bowing. When T-bowing, some of you are all too, too old to remember T-bowing. That was like, you know, like five years ago. Um, T-bowing, back when Tim Tebow was playing football and he scored a touchdown, he'd get down and pray. So everybody was taking pictures of themselves T-bowing. You know, they took a noun and made it a verb. And in this case, with teaching, um, they, te- they took a noun. This, this word actually means a set body of beliefs. 
And what we, learn, what we need to find out, the first thing we do when we're looking at Scripture and we're looking at the Bible is, is we're asking the question, what's true? What's right? What is the Bible saying here? What truth is the Bible teaching here? Um, if you go back and you, I mean, we're not going to, we, we could spend all night doing this or so we're not, but if you were to go back and you were to look at the verses that precede this, you would see that it talks about, in chapter 1, verse 5, it talks about sincere faith. Um, in, in verse 8, the gospel. In verse 10, the gospel. In verse 11, the gospel. Um, verse 13, sound teaching with faith. Um, verse 14, the good deposit, the gospel. Uh, the, uh, chapter 2, it says, be strong in the grace and in the teaching of Jesus. Uh, verse, chapter 2, verse 2, it says, entrust this gospel to people who will teach others. Um, verse Eight, it talks about the gospel in verse 8, and then in verse 9, it talks about God's word, and then in verse 14, it talks about these teachings, and in uh, 15, it says, correctly handle the word of truth, and you could go on and on and on and on, and what it's talking about is that the Bible has truth in it. The Bible is not a collection of inspirational quotes like you see on Instagram. You know, you know what I mean? Like those inspirational quotes like, don't make somebody a priority in your life if they're an option in yours or whatever, you know, however that goes. You know, you know, all those quotes, all y'all girls share on Instagram. The Bible is not a book of inspirational quotes. It's a book of truth. Um, it tells us who we are. It tells us who God is. It tells us what, it, it informs us about the world around us. Um, and not only that, what we learn in the Bible is there's a truth about God that is great and it's the truth of the gospel and it's teaching. This word also sometimes for teaching can mean doctrine. If you have a, a, a different translation of the Bible, it may say that yeah, um, Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for doctrine. What doctrine means is like a collection of, a collection of truths, that, a collection of beliefs that somebody has. Uh, if you were to go on our church's website, lmbc.org, you would see our church's doctrinal statement. And it's got like letters for each of the things that we believe. And we go all the way down to you. And all of our doctrine that we believe, the, the set things that we believe are, are backed up by the Bible. We have scripture verses for them. It covers everything from like God existing in three persons to human sexuality um, to money. Um, there, there, is, there is truth that we believe. And you know, doctrine doesn't sound exciting. You know? <laughs> you know? Hey, Gabe, you want to talk some doctrine with me? You're like, no, yeah, yeah. Pickup line, you know, instead of series, you know, series pickup line, you'd be like, yeah, hey girl, you want to go to Starbucks and talk doctrine? Like, <laughs> it's, it's, not very, it's not very exciting, but you know what? On, when, when, you're, when you're at prom, you're going to find out what your doctrine is and what your beliefs are. This summer, when you're hanging out with your friends and you're, that one friend finally, like, you finally have a friend who has a driver's license and you can go wherever you want to go and do whatever you want to do, you're, you're going to find out what your doctrine is, what your beliefs are. And in the Bible, we find beliefs, we find truths, we find teachings. So the first thing that we're doing, if, if we're going to study the Bible, no matter where you open up, no matter what passage you're looking at, you ask this question, what's right? According to this book, what do I know to be right? Um, you're going to learn things in here, and you're going to see things about God um, that are right. So, some sub-questions maybe that I've got. I'm going to put these on Instagram, by the way, because they're, uh, they're too hard to write down. Um, as you're reading this, what am I learning about God, myself, and those around me? What timeless truth am I learning? Um, if, if, you do, if, you're in our, if you do the Bible study lab this summer, uh, we talk about this a lot. Um, in, in, in Exodus chapter 20, it says, Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's donkey. How many of y'all struggle with donkey covetousness? You just look over at the yeah, person next to you and you're like, mm, that donkey, though. You know? 
You know, you're, like, you're like, man, I wish I could have my neighbors. We don't, we don't struggle with that anymore. It's 2018. What's the truth? Is the truth that we shouldn't covet donkeys? The truth is that we shouldn't covet, right? So we're trying to find the timeless truth. What's right? So the first thing you look at when you're reading the Bible is you're asking this question. What's right? The next question that we ask is what's wrong? What's wrong? By the way, and now we're, we're up to this finger. Um, hope this is not your favorite finger. Um, but what's interesting is you, when you point at somebody, I'm going to break Wyatt's creation here. When you point at somebody, in order to point at somebody, you have to have three fingers pointing back at you. You've heard that before, I know. You have to have three fingers pointing back at you. And how interesting is it, now I've got some limp fingers here, how interesting is it that in this verse here, there are four questions that we ask, and of those four questions, only one of them has to do with what you learn. Three of them have to do with what you actually do and how you actually respond to the Bible. A lot of people, they get together for quote-unquote Bible study. And they talk deep doctrine, and it makes them feel like they're really smart. You know, they say, what, what, what do you believe about soteriology? Are you Calvinist? Are you Arminius? Are you, you know, what do you believe in transubstantiation? What do you do? It's all these ideas, but it doesn't affect the way they live. And you know what God says? You ain't got no Bible study. The Bible says knowledge puffs up. And we're supposed to be trained to be godly. So can I say that a lot of times... In the way that we study the Bible, sometimes we've got, we're only doing this, and we've got three fingers pointing back at us. Um, what's wrong? What's wrong? The next thing it says is useful for teaching, for rebuking. Um, this word for rebuking, what it has to do with is convicting, bringing to light, and calling to account. Um, some of you are with me on this trip, but we went to Las Vegas, and we stayed at this place, um, and there were a lot of... Uh, cockroaches in the place where we stayed. And what, 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 I've, what, what I learned is if I snuck into the room and I turned the light on real quick, I could see the cockroaches yeah, run away. Because cockroaches run away when they're exposed to light. Um, there are things in our life. Remember, first we asked what's right. Now we're comparing and we're looking at our lives. Remember, this is the first of the fingers that's pointing back at us. And here's what you're going to start learning is the more you read the Bible, the more the Bible starts reading you. Let's say that again. The more you read the Bible, the more the Bible starts reading you. And it starts almost like a mirror or almost like a light exposing things in your life. You're like, okay, God says I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not doing that. God says I'm not supposed to do that, but I'm doing it. Um, I'm not in agreement with God's truth. What's there are things that are wrong in my life. It says it's useful for rebuking. Um, can I say that if you don't read the Bible and let the Bible read you, there are going to be a lot wrong in your life because what it says here in, in, in this chapter talks about in the last days, and that's the time that we're living now. Um, it's going to be hard to be a Christian, and there's going to be a lot of bad things going on around you. Let me read this list of things that are, that are, that, that are going on, and tell me this isn't, this, tell me this isn't your, hall, your school hallway as you're trying to you know, navigate you know, the, the sea of people, and you're getting like shoved into lockers and stuff. Tell me if you don't see this in, your, in our world. People will be lovers of themselves. Yeah. 
Lovers of money. Money, 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 money. Right? Boastful. You know any boastful people? Proud people? Abusive? You know any people who are disobedient to their parents? Ungrateful? Unholy? Without love? Without self-control? Brutal? Not lovers of the good? Treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Now it talks about hypocritical Christians. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. Um, If you keep looking, it says that this mindset, this untruth, this sinful way of thinking, it says worms its way into homes. In verse 6. Um, in, 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 seven, in verse 7, it talks about people are always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Those are the people that they only try to learn, they never try to do and live it out. Um, it says there will be teachers who oppose the truth. And when we think of teachers, I'm not talking necessarily about a teacher that's going to stand in front of you at a math class and try to tell you not to believe in God. I think it's a little more insidious than that. I think your teacher is Netflix, your teacher is Hulu, your teacher is Spotify. Um, they are men of depraved minds. Then in verse 13, it says, evildoers and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. I think some of the times the reason that we don't open this book is because we're afraid that as we read this book, it's going to read us. And we're afraid that we're not going to like what we see, and, we're, and God, we know that God doesn't like what he sees. So the reason that we keep our books safely on the shelf is because, yeah, we're kind of, it's kind of like you don't check your grade because you know it's going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> is it just me? Um, <laughs> you know, you don't go online, check your grade. Yeah, maybe it's just me. Um, that's, you, we, we keep our Bible on the shelves because we know we're going to check and see where we are. We know we're going to find some stuff wrong. So as you, if you're reading the Bible, you're trying to learn to read the Bible, first you ask what's right. What, what does it tell us about God? The next thing you ask is, what is it telling me in my life needs to change? The next question we ask, what's wrong? Well, first we ask what's right, then we ask what's wrong. Next question, it's going to get a little more positive, okay, is how do I get right? A lot of people think the Bible is a condemning book, and the reason they don't read it is because they think, oh, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to open the Bible, and I'm going to feel so beat down. I'm going to feel like I don't measure up. I'm going to feel like I'm just this terrible sinner with no hope. But the Bible is actually a book of hope. Um, it says it's useful for correcting this, ver- this Greek word for correcting, um, I'm not going to try to pronounce it. I've practiced it and butchered it every time. It's like epimnotharsis or something like that. See, if I just say something, you guys will believe me, right? But some of you guys will look it up, I know. Um, but what this word means for correcting, it's the idea of setting a bone straight. Who here's broken a bone? Not fun. Um, I bro- I've only broken one bone, and it was I was playing soccer my junior year. Um, I was uh, the, it was one of those where the we our team was right up there at the goal, and the ball was like bouncing around like a pinball right in front of the goal. So I was kind of t- towards the back of the 18, towards the back of the um, the, pen- the penalty box, and I was I was watching this ball go like this. I'm like. I kind of had an idea where that ball was going to go, so I was like, I'm going to slide in there, and I'm going to just kind of like slide tackle, pooch it in there. And I, I got up there, I slid as fast as I could, scored the goal, but the goalie dove to try to stop it. He didn't stop it, but my foot got caught between his thighs, like between his legs, 
as he was diving, and then he rolled as he dove, and he hit the ground, and it twisted my foot, and I broke three of my metatarsals, like, in my, in my foot. And I, yeah, I always thought, yeah, I was one of those, I always thought my, I had a broken bone, and I had a coach, Mr. Page. If you go to Spring Valley, you probably know Mr. Page. Um, he, yeah, every time I get hurt, he goes, Matthew, you'll know if it's broken. It's not broken. And this time, like, as soon as, as, soon as it happened, I was like, it's broken because it's this terrible pain. And all I could think about was, I got to get this pain fixed. I got to get this thing fixed. I got to get this thing fixed. I got to get this thing fixed. The Bible fixes our spiritual hurts. The Bible heals. Um, yeah, wouldn't it be terrible if you showed up at the ER, you had a broken bone, and the doctor puts up one of those x-rays, like, yep, it's broken. And then he just walks out. He's done with you. You're like, are you not going to fix my leg? Yeah. Some of you, maybe the reason you don't, you're having trouble reading the Bible is because you, you've opened the Bible, you've learned about God, then you've learned about where you fall short, and you've learned about places in your life where it's broken, and then you just shut the Bible, and you haven't experienced the healing that comes through the Bible. You haven't experienced what it means to get your life straightened back out, and you will find that in the Bible. You will find healing in the Bible. Um, Verse 22, it, said, it gives you like specific things that you can do. It says, flee the evil desires of your youth, pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. It tells you how to get back on that path. It, you know, it gives you advice. It gives you real world things to do. Uh, maybe the one that some of us need is verse 23 of chapter 2. It says, I like the way the NIV says this. It says, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. <laughs> you know, it will tell you how to fix your life. Um, which, is, which is great and which is what you need. Um, some of you, you, you don't even need an x-ray. You know that there's hurt in your life. Every time you move, every time you do anything, you can feel the hurt of maybe things that were done to you, maybe the things that you brought on yourself. And you, you think, oh, if I open the Bible, all it's going to do is tell me what I already know, and it's that a, my life is screwed up. No, when you open the Bible, it's going to show you how you can get right with God and how you can experience healing. You want to know the purpose of the Bible? Look at... Um, in this passage, look at verse 15. It says that the scriptures will make you wise for salvation in faith through Christ Jesus. The Bible is not a book written to condemn you. The Bible is a book written to reveal the only one who can save you, and it's Jesus. From front to back, it's all about Jesus. And how do we get right? We get right through Jesus, who is the focus of this book, who's the centerpiece of this book. Um, so we're, we're, asking, we're asking four questions. I'm going to go get through, through the last one real quick. You know, the first question is, what's right? What does this book tell me about what, what, what is right? Second, what's wrong? What, what, do I, what are some areas in my life where I fall short? Third, how do I get right? What does the Bible tell me to do in response to what I've learned? And then the final thing is how do I stay right? Um, it says, all scriptures God breathe useful for teaching, what's right, rebuking, what's wrong, correcting, how do I get right? And the fourth is training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. How do I stay right? Um, this, this word, um, it, I'm going to have to look it up. It's pedia. This Greek word is the same root that we use for pedophile. Pedo. And this, what this means is to train a child. And what this, means, what this says is training in righteousness, being equipped to tr- be trained in righteousness. Some of y'all are doing the kind of math where you have letters with your numbers. And y'all having that, that evil, I, I happen to think that math is satanic. I don't know about you, um, <laughs> but um, I happen to think that math is satanic. Um, you know, when they started putting letters with my numbers, I was like, that's not right. Um, 
But here's what I've learned. Some of you can do the whole trigonometry with the sin. You know, that's, that's another reason we shouldn't do trig, right? There's sin in there. There's sine, the, co, the cosine, all that stuff. You can put stuff in your graphing calculator. How did you learn to do that? Did you show up as a sixth grader and just start doing trigonometry, start doing calculus? You went to school every day, and you learned a little more and you learned a little more, and you became more and more comfortable. Can I tell you that principle applies here? 99% of the struggle in reading your Bible is just getting, the, getting between you and God every day, opening up the Bible and reading it. How do I stay right? By being in this Word every day. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We're going to pray. Um, but what I really want to encourage you and ask you and beg you to do, you'll never get right with God. You'll never experience a healing in your life until you get to know this book. We have some Bibles that were given to us, that were donated to us, that we would love to give to you. If you don't have a Bible, um, see me or Wyatt back at the table there. We'd love to give you a Bible. Um, I'm going to pray for you guys. Then we're going to circle up and we're going to have a, 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 a we're going to pray for somebody, put them in the middle. So let me pray for you guys, and then we're going to pray. Uh, we're going to pray together. Uh, Father, thank you so much for um, your word. Your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Uh, so God, I pray, um, God, I pray that, that each teenager and each adult here will make it real in their lives, will commit to studying every day, uh, will commit to reading your word every day, and that we'll be drawn closer to you in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.